Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. Um, as always, joined by my co-host, Susie Porton, who is up in upstate New York. And uh, we do this every Monday morning, September through May, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Susie, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fine. Um, We have lots of email to respond to today, but we are also delighted to respond to people who call in. That number is 347-994-2981. And press 1, please. Um, Susie, anything you wanted to start with today before we get rolling with... um, Uh, some email. Uh, Yes, I have a question for you. I know you've traveled around the world and your books are published in different countries and languages. I understand the model is the model. But I was just wondering, does culture affect how the model works and plays out? Is it harder or easier in different cultures to do the three CPS steps? Great question, and um, I haven't noticed a huge difference in the cultures that I've seen CPS implemented in. I would say the main difference, believe it or not, and we've had this with um, parents in many different countries, is caregivers' willingness to collaborate with kids and caregivers' willingness to probe for kids' concerns and take them into account in coming up with solutions to the problems that affect kids' lives. Uh, The interesting thing is, I think that, without naming any specific culture, because I couldn't, I think that some cultures are still very wrapped up in a very authoritarian um, caregiver stance toward kids. Um, But I find that, I have found that people who are still thinking and conducting themselves that way can be found in every culture. Just some cultures have more of them than others. And even here in North America, Some states and some provinces have more of them than others. But I haven't found anything that can be said of any culture that represents the views of every member of that culture. Um, And so I I don't talk about cultures in that way. But that's what I have found. The biggest cultural difference is the degree to which caregivers are willing to take a kid's concerns into account, 
probe for information about a kid's concerns and um, collaborate with kids on solutions to the problems that affect kids' lives. <laughs> Beyond that, the three steps of solving a problem collaboratively are the three steps for solving a problem collaboratively. Yes. Thank you. We have this very non-collaborative thing going on in the United States right now. It's called a presidential election um, where we um, are as adversarial and as disparaging as we can possibly be. This election seems worse than most, possibly because of one candidate in particular. Um, It's a very interesting way to vet whether someone is a good leader and whether someone is a good problem solver. We've seen very little of that, and what a shame, since that, for me, is the number one job requirement. I think that a lot of Americans are very frustrated at the process by which we choose our leader um, and wonder if there is a better way and if we have to continue going through another hold-your-nose election. But there's one man's view. We have a caller. Shall we take our caller? Yes, let's. Here we go. Our first caller of this broadcast season, area code 620. You are on the air. How are you today? Ross Green for president. That's what I have to say. <laughs> I had a feeling it was you, and you will be my campaign manager. There you go. I'm not a citizen, though, so I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm Brazilian. So I have a. I, I have had a green no card. I'm legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done the. There, that's a long story. We'll we'll talk about that in, on another show. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, how are Hi, things Susie. going? Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. Oh, life is good. We are more than halfway into the first half of the semester. Both from my husband and I are both professors, so both from our professional side and the kids. And we've ventured into. We've got our eldest in high school and the youngest in middle school. So we've got two new buildings going, and and it's been uh, quite quite tumultuous, but uh, very rewarding as well. So I have um, a positive update to bring to you all today. Outstanding. And for those who are unfamiliar with your voice, um, tell us a little bit about your, tell new listeners about your two boys, just so that they can appreciate (laughs) how far you've come and where you came from. (sighs) Yes, yes. And it's a it is a journey, not a destination, that is for sure. Um, I started calling in late in 2012 um, after my eldest, who is explosive, um, experienced the unfortunate event of his first suspension at uh, during fifth grade. Um, I also have a youngest who's two years younger than his older brother that is an imploder, and once I came across the model and started uh, realizing that we didn't know what we didn't know, that we were actually um, compounding the situation and making things worse with my eldest, 
it became clear that um, we also needed to utilize um, CPS, Collaborative and Proactive Solutions, with our youngest as well. Um, I started out kind of in my own camp with my husband holding firmly to Plan A um, until we made our way the March of 2013 to a day-long workshop with you, Dr. Green, and on our ride, five-hour ride back from that workshop, my husband and I practiced Plan B together, and um, from then on, it's been a, a journey of learning, and um, and we're we're growing as a family, and we take a few steps back here and there, and the kids use language, Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, with each other, with us. And it's been um, a long journey of trying to get the schools to understand that CPS is, without a doubt, the best way to address um, my eldest's um, explosive behavior. Did I sum that up okay? Great. So and so we, tell um, us, how, how, yeah. how's high school going so far? Well, it. It was um, an interesting transition as it was going into the middle school. The transition into the middle school failed miserably, and we spent the, his three years at the middle school working really hard to get elements, as much of CPS into his IEP as we could, and got a little bit of it into a functional behavior plan during seventh grade, but it wasn't quite enough. Um, and the team that I met with in May prior to the transition to the high school, the high school team that I met with, made it very clear that they start the students off without a para. They want to see the students how they are for the first week or two. I'm sorry, they <laughs> start the students off with what? Without a what? Without a para, without a paraprofessional. And my son has had a para by his side from from day one, and so I, I started saying in May, you know, I, I really like it that you don't want to go into the, the term with him with preconce preconceived notions, but this isn't going to work for him, and, uh, but they were adamant, and I just made it clear that if anything um, went wrong, that um, it could not be determined that it was my son's fault solely, that the school was going to have to accept responsibility. Um, and within a handful of days uh, at the high school, um, things started unraveling rather quickly. Um, he started getting very agitated and a little bit out of control. He never did go all the way and become physically aggressive, but he was escalating. Um, and so uh, it, we were called in, of course, uh, to an IEP meeting right away. And on September 1st, we came, my husband and I came in to meet to discuss and draft the new IEP, and we were in a room with every single core teacher, every single administrator, and the school psychologists, the counselors, um, even people that are going to be with him later in his high school career. There were probably 18 people in this room all working proactively and asking us, what do we need to do? What, how, how is it that it works at home? What do we need to do? And the team leader, his ninth grade special ed director, had taken all of the links that I'd sent to her of videos from the Lives in the Balance website, the articles from Mother Jones, um, the excerpts from Lost at School, 
over the summer. She had read it all, and she put together at the front page of the functional behavior plan an outline of what plan A is with big, bold words, do not do this with this child. (laughs) And then explaining very general what plan B is and uh, making a mention that plan C is what we're going to need to do once we determine what skills we're going to work together as a team to develop in him. And we spent two hours at that meeting making revisions to his daily schedule and finding out which teachers were comfortable and digging into Lost at School and Lost and Found in the website. And I'm just waiting for a call from the district to find out when it is that we can sit down with blank LSEPs all around and go through and identify two or three unsolved problems and each of us is going to take one of them. The IEP is worded with CPS all over it, Dr. Green. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. You, um, how are you feeling about what it sounds like the school started in their own way, but how are you feeling about how they're doing now? I feel like I have a principal that um, is open-minded enough that um, he sees, he read through the IEPs from the middle school and is looking at the current IEP and looking at us and saying, why, why did the middle school administration drag their feet on this? This makes perfect sense. I feel like for the first time I have a principal that is insisting that my child's needs come first and, um, and is willing to give my child space while we all learn to work together on it. And that is such a breath of fresh air. And so when my son is flaring up here and there um, with things, I'm just remind, I just remind myself, it's okay. He's in good hands. This is going to become less and less. He's used to being antagonized. We're going to clear off any more little, little remnants of that that might be happening. And, uh, you know, so we're making huge progress. It's wonderful that you're working in partnership with the school. It really um, it, it says so much about you and your husband um, understanding and, and meeting the needs of your child. And, and it's going to be great for your younger son, who eventually yeah. will uh, be there. Yeah, it's interesting. We've hit a point with my youngest who has been very gung-ho and um, a very specific athletic activity for a couple of years. And almost without warning, about two weeks ago, he came home from practice and said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, my husband and I found ourselves instantly going plan A, like, oh, my gosh. Well, no, you can't just quit. (laughs) You know, and um, you've committed. You've got a team. And and, uh, and then I took a step back and I thought, wait a minute, my biggest concern here is that this is a child that does not communicate his feelings. And here he is trying to communicate feelings, something's going on. And we scheduled a plan B. And he came in and he had lots of tears. And he said all of his concerns and I empathized. And then when he asked me, and this is how well my kids know the process, He said, Mom, I'm done with my concerns. What are you concerned about? Which I love. Sure. (laughs) I know. And I said, you know, my biggest concern is that um, you struggle telling us how you feel 
from the very beginning, and here you are. You know, you've been holding these feelings in for two or three months, and now it feels like a surprise to us that you've been holding it in. So my biggest concern is that you're not taking the opportunity to talk when things bother you from the very beginning. So that's really all I'm concerned about. And so our solution had to do with the fact that he was going to need to um, communicate with the coach. He was going to need to communicate with the coach about why he was going to let this go. And um, so that it was not just mom and dad doing it on his behalf so that he can work on his um, emotional articulation and, and talking about feelings and being honest about that. And um, so it's feeling like we're making some, some progress in that realm too. But in a way, it's almost harder with the imploding. Absolutely. You know, so, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, um, it's, I'm just so grateful for, for this approach. And um, I've been writing in the Facebook group, the B team, a good bit when these positive things happen and and uh and I write in there too when I've got concerns coming up and but um I I try to be very much on the up and up when things are going well because I know when things are not going well it can feel like the end of the world it can but you know what what's interesting is the longer you do this the more you get the more you start to see bumps in the road as problems that need to be solved. Um, And, you know, some of them are big bumps, and some of them are stressful than others, and some of them are higher stakes problems than others, but the bottom line is they are problems that need to be solved. Um, Boy, it sure does help to have a principal who gets it. Yeah. Nothing, not, not many things in life better than a principal who gets it. Yes. Yes, and that's, um, yeah, absolutely. He gets it. He gets it, and he is very much pro-kid, and that's that says a lot, I think. And think about all the other kids that, um, you know, you'll be helping by doing this process. Hopefully, you know, he's the principal... Uh, and the school seem very understanding, and um, it can it can help other challenging children. Right. Well, I'm hoping that this um, this principal's support of it. You know, Dr. Green, one of <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that you had said at the workshop that we attended last October um, was that you just your first nucleus to put together to um, promote. CPS within the school district needs to have both supporters of it and people that are questioning it so that you have both sides and, um, you know, and having, of course, somebody from upper administration. This is the kind of person that I feel could go to the Board of Education here and say, listen, we need a task force to look into this. This is very that's effective. Let's, you know, so that's that's where my... I is on this is approaching him and asking for his help in putting together a nucleus group for the district to consider replacing the current district-wide behavior approach, which is BIST, B-I-S-T, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which has a few aspects of empathetic 
you know, conversation, but it doesn't quite commit to really hearing the kid out full blast. Um, or solving so, problems collaboratively in more a way that's mutually satisfactory way. That's what a lot and, of them are lacking. Right. Well, and the proactive approach. BIST is very much reactive. He yep. at the moment. And that's where my kid fails miserably. Those are some big ingredients. Yep. So that's that's the news from Lake Wobegon, and uh, I'm sure I'll be calling within the next few weeks with uh, questions. Uh, my husband and I are about halfway through our home edition of the ALSEP, so that when the school sits down to do the the school edition of the ALSEP, we can say, you know, we're going to be working on these two unsolved problems for school, and this is the one that we're working for home because my son just gets so overwhelmed when everybody is poking on him from all different angles. So um, we're, we're carving out time every other Friday when it's not building day to sit down and, and uh, go through the LSEP one, one lagging skill at a time. We are always happy to hear from you, and we are delighted that you were the first caller of this broadcast year. Thank you. Call in any time. Keep us posted. I will. Take I will. Care. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Susie, we have another caller. Terrific. Uh, from a familiar area code. Area code 416, you're on the air. How are you today? Uh, good, thank you. Good. Did you have a question you wanted to ask? Yes, I do. I have an almost 18-year-old daughter who has been struggling with school attendance for quite a number of years, four years. Mm -hmm. And I have been plan being the heck out of it. And I'm just wondering how many iterations of plan B can you go through before you get to the real bottom line of everything? Well, um, here's the hope that is sometimes not realized. The hope is that you'll get to the bottom of everything in your first empathy step, but that often doesn't happen. It often doesn't happen for various reasons. First of all, the kid may not be used to Plan B, so she may not know what she'd gotten herself into, and she's not uh, so forthcoming. Secondly, she may not know. Thirdly, there may be a long history of Plan A, and so she's actually kind of worried about what's going to happen should she be forthcoming with information. Um, those are some of the possibilities, but from what you're saying, it sounds like you feel like you're not there yet. Well, it does feel like that. Um, first of all, I went to a conference with you in like 2008 when she was about five, Okay. So I've been working on this plan B with all three kids for their whole life pretty well. Um, but she's it seems like she is reluctant to admit what is really the source of it for herself. Mm -hmm. She's um, trying to problem solve on her own mm -hmm. um, with not much success. Like, I can do it myself, I can do it myself, but when she does it herself, she doesn't get there. Got it. 
So are you getting any information from her about, uh, it sounds like the unsolved problem is difficulty reliably going to school. Yes. yes. What What have you learned so far, if anything, or is she basically shutting down the minute the conversation starts taking place? Have you Have you gotten any information? I've got a lot of pieces of information. Um, I've got things like, I can't go to school when I can't see. My glasses aren't the right prescription, so we got a new okay, prescription. So that's, got it. So that's one unsolved so that's problem. Done. Solved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't go to school because I'm um, tired and I can't get up. So try and get some more sleep. What's interfering with the ability to sleep? Try and resolve those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't Do you feel like those are resolved? Fairly well, although she's got a lot of anxiety, so sometimes she's up in the middle of the night doing stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I can't really manage her not being up in the middle of the night. Right. Um, I put her back to bed when she's 18 almost. Right. Um, my meds aren't right, so she has a psychiatrist, and we regularly see the psychiatrist, and they have a very good relationship in terms of managing her meds. Uh, and then I can't go to school because it's too boring and I and it's stupid. Okay, well... That one would need more fleshing out. Yeah. Um, so, that one, that one sounds like a mega unsolved problem and by that I mean that one's going to take a lot of drilling okay. so that we can find out the specific things that are see, all of the ones that you've mentioned so far before that one that's kind of the one I was waiting for not that those other ones are not uh, meaningful unsolved problems or relevant unsolved problems right. but and this is me theorizing, which I should not do, but the vast majority of kids I've worked with who had difficulty going to school, there were unsolved problems at school as well. And that one, it's boring and it's stupid, is the tip of the unsolved problem iceberg. And that's going to get you at the stuff that's going on at school that's making it difficult for her to actually show up. So, you know, fixing the meds, good. Uh, Getting on top of the sleep, good. Um, Fixing the glasses, good. But, as you said, this is an unsolved problem that's been going on for a long time. And I have a feeling that, uh, as we're learning from her, it's got lots of different facets to it, some Mm -hmm. of which you've made your way through. And here's the interesting thing. Sometimes sometimes when you're trying to solve a problem, you hear multiple concerns, and sometimes you get lucky. You solve one of them, and, and the problem is solved. Right. Sometimes, as in your case, you solve one of them, two of them, three of them, but it's not solved yet because each facet of the unsolved problem had to get worked on uh, for the problem to actually get solved. But I have a feeling you've arrived, believe it or not, at what may turn out to be the biggest one, 
the unsolved problems at school that are making it difficult for her to show up. Okay. That just says this is a multifaceted unsolved problem that isn't going to get solved until all of the facets get solved. And yeah. you've solved some of them, which is you, you get you get 30 points, 10 points each for solving the three that you've done so far, but I have a feeling you have now arrived at the one that uh, is going to take the most time and is going to have even many more facets associated with it. Okay, so just keep talking and drilling and well, talking. Well, I guess the question is, it sounds like you've got a reluctant information provider there um, who is uh, determined to solve problem solve the problem on her own. She's just not quite able to accomplish the mission. So she gets 10 points for her desire to solve the problem on her own, whether that's what's really going on or whether she's just not... Um, dying to talk about it or come face to face with it as you were saying we don't know but one thing i might say to her is you know it sounds like there are some problems at school that need to be solved and i'd like to hear more about those my question is are those things you want to talk you feel comfortable talking with me about or is there someone else you would feel more comfortable talking about the unsolved problems at school about just in terms of what they are and what it is that is going on at school or not going on at school that is making it hard for you to show up at school. So, I mean, you, you do have a prescriber who could be someone who she could talk to. Oh, she has I don't a therapist have as well. Therapist as well. She has a therapist um, and as well. Good. Yeah. And you know what? There may even be... I don't know how often she's there or whether she's got somebody at school who she's comfortable talking to. But um, it doesn't have to be you. Right. Um, we just need to find out what really flesh out the it's boring and stupid initial response to your initial inquiry about that unsolved problem so that we can find out what's going on at school so you can get on top of it. Okay. So, yes, I would keep plugging away. You've just got a multi-pronged unsolved problem there, and it's going to take multiple solutions to solve it. Um, I know you've been at it for a while, but you don't want to throw in the towel just yet. No, I don't want to throw in the towel at all. It's That would kind of be the end of it for her, I think. She needs right. the supportive voice um, there. But let's see if Susie wants to weigh in. I, my recollection is that Susie had um, uh, problem solvers in her family who were reluctant information providers. Susie, anything you want to weigh in on here? Um, my daughter was like a clamshell, and it was nearly impossible to... Um, flush out any information. Um, she she had a lot of difficulty uh, getting to school. Um, and, you know, we, we provided a lot of uh, private help to get her through her classes. Um, 
we you know she she gave the uh the uh reasoning that school was boring and stupid um i just kept talking with her um and that's the beauty of the model is that um i know it's a tough time and what you're going through isn't so pleasant but um the model did give us hope and um helped us to figure out what was getting in the way so that we could solve some of her problems um and it wasn't perfect but the um entire collaborative and proactive solutions made things better and our daughter knew that we were um trying and listening and doing things with her not to her or at her does that um help a little yeah i think my daughter feels very similarly like she she will talk a lot but she talks around a lot of things mm-hmm. and so it's sometimes you need to just be quiet and let her keep going that's exactly right yep down to the bottom of things and I've been chiseling away at this for four years now, and she has her own, if she doesn't go or she's late, she's sort of self-defeating at that point. She gets upset with herself, mm-hmm. and and then that's it. So I can't afford to be upset with her. She's got enough from her own self-recrimination mm-hmm. um, that she's dealing with. So, yeah, I I understand. I'll just keep going then. Yeah, I've got another just... question for Susie. Um, yes. You are now many years past the uh, public school difficulties with your daughter, and I'm wondering if you are also past her reluctance to be forthcoming. Is she more open than she used to be, or is she still holding her cards pretty close to her chest? She is still holding her cards pretty close to her chest. Um, In some uh, general way, she's a little more forthcoming, but she is an extremely private person, and um, that's just the way she is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess there are many more iterations to come. (laughs) There are, and you can call into this program anytime you want if you need, you know, you one more point before we move on to our next caller. Yes, there are times when you just have to listen wherever the kid goes. But there are also times when it's actually helpful, though slightly risky, to try to steer the empathy step toward being more specific and saying yes, things like, yes, I hear all that. What I still don't understand is ba 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 ba. Okay. 
Um, the reason it's risky is because some kids, if you're not just if you're not just letting them say whatever they want and go whatever what direction they want to, they may clam up on you. Right. Um, so you get to decide: is it worth the risk of her clamming up? And you'd know better than me what your risk is there, anyhow. Um, but there are things you can say to keep the conversation on track that aren't that risky and may help you narrow the conversation a little bit and help you get the information you're looking for. Okay. Not risk-free, but um, may be worth it. Okay. Hope that well, was helpful. Call in any time. You bet. Okay, thanks. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye-bye. So, Susie, we're not going to get to any email today because we have another caller, and that is a good thing. So, caller, don't feel bad. Area code 562, we'll see if we can help you in about eight minutes. Go ahead. You're on the air. Um, hi, I'm a return caller. I've called in a few times. I had a about feeling my... about that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I'm calling in. I, I'm actually um, seeing a wonderful therapist who practices um, the uh, collaborative and proactive solutions method. Um, so I think... Um, we're working on it um, to improve my relationship with my son. He's six. He's not very, um, he doesn't like to talk. And, um, you know, but we're moving along. And I think she's really good at kind of figuring out what he needs. So I think that part is good. Where I'm having difficulty right now is um, with his school. The um, um, and It's gotten a lot worse this year. He's in first grade. And um, just having a hard time when we're in these meetings about his IEP and, um, you know, his behaviors, it, you know, becomes very behavioral-focused uh, and, uh, like, almost like a list of everything he's done. And, um, the uh, you know, it's um, a lot of talk about him being oppositional, um, not motivated, and... Um, that he wants attention, you know, the usual list. And I just find mm-hmm. myself getting so nervous in these meetings because I, I, it's just, you know, me. <laughs> and uh, I know they all mean so well. They really want to help. Um, I'm very lucky to have a school that cares a lot. But, you know, like most places, they're still, um, you know, when we sit down, it's all about, well, what rewards are we going to offer him? Mm. Um, what consequences will he get if? And, um, you know, I'm trying to kind of, I find myself kind of not knowing how to explain the model in the best way. I I bought the audiobook Lost at School for his teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's listened to it yet, but I um I I did get it for her and I'm hoping that she'll listen to it, but um I just find myself like kind of sitting there in a room and them looking at me like I'm crazy when I'm saying, you know, he doesn't have the skills. <laughs> um cuz I think they see it very differently. Um Right. So I'm just looking for tips um, for when I'm in these meetings, a good way of uh, explaining what I believe is going on. Well, the the challenge is to get them to shift from behavior to the problems that are causing that behavior. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times... Um, caregivers, whether in schools or homes or staff in facilities, when they're focused on the kid's behavior, 
then they head straight for thinking about motivation and they think of strategies that are primarily useful for modifying behavior mm-hmm. consequences right yep. um, the challenge is to get them to move from behavior which I refer to as being downstream to the problems that are causing those behaviors which I call being upstream and in the CPS model they are called unsolved problems and the mm-hmm. synonym for unsolved problem is unmet expectation so the challenge here is to get them to paddle upstream and help you uh, so so you might if they are not responding to your if they're looking like you at you like you have two heads when you talk about lagging skills yeah the number one, the apparently, and this is no criticism, a lot of people aren't familiar with the research, but number one, it tells us that they are not familiar with the research that has accumulated over the last 40 to 50 years on behaviorally challenging kids that tell us about why challenging kids are challenging and in a very unequivocal way tell us that it's about lagging skills, not lagging motivation. But if that... Mm-hmm. Message is falling on deaf ears. You got another. You got another strategy. Help them. Help you identify the expectations he's having difficulty meeting. When are those behaviors occurring? Because in the CPS model, we view behavior simply as the byproduct, the the the, the signal, the fever. Um, It just tells us that there's a problem that needs to be solved. There's an expectation that kid is having difficulty meeting. And then what we hope you start hearing about is um, the expectations, probably academic, of the classroom that he's having difficulty meeting. And then the discussion can turn to how can we help him meet those expectations. So now you're not in a debate about lagging skills versus lagging motivation. You're not in a debate at all. You're actually going to find common ground because they, if they can, if they can move off of the behavior and paddle upstream, they're going to tell you about the expectations he's having difficulty meeting. And then the discussion can turn to how are we going to help him solve those problems? And then the discussion can turn to and can we engage him in helping us solve those problems. Now, that last part may cause some folks to look at you like you got two heads again, but um, mm-hmm. I think you'll be in better shape there than if you were in a uh, motivation versus skills debate, which is the old can't versus won't debate that sometimes gets you nowhere. Just one other tip before we have Susie weigh in. We only have about two minutes left. I've gone on a little too long here. You might want to ask the person you're working with locally if she can show up at a school meeting so that you don't have to do this all by yourself. Yes, and she has said that she would. So good. I'm, I, I I'm don't very happy about feel, that, yeah. Good. Have her come and so you're not sitting in there feeling at a complete loss um, but that's my advice, Susie. You got a little, uh, about a minute here to weigh in. Sorry, I left you not enough time, but go ahead. It's all right. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth, Dr. Green. I was wondering if it was feasible to um, bring a therapist or a friend into those meetings because they can be overwhelming. Um, 
and especially when you're just starting out in the process um, and becoming comfortable with the Plan B language and how it works. Um, That was really what I wanted to say. Thank you. Um, Mom? Oh, excuse me. Any further thoughts? Go ahead. Uh, Just I love this article that you wrote, Dr. Green, Five Ways to Improve School for Behaviorally Challenging Students. It's easy to uh, download on your computer, and um, it is a helpful tool for the people at school. Great. Thank you. We hope we helped you out today. You know you can call in anytime. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for calling in. Susie, that is going to do it for us today. We are on next Monday, October 3rd. We are not on on October 10th. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good.